Key Aero, your aviation destination. Historic Aviation. Hello and welcome to another Flypass podcast. I'm Hans from Kiero. I have Chris Clifford, editor of Flypass, with me. Hi, Chris. Good morning. And Tara Legger, assistant editor of Historic Aviation on Kiero. Hello, Tara. Morning, Hans. Morning, Chris. How, yeah. <laughs> How is everybody? Yeah, we're okay. Good to go. Well, I mean, I think this could be, you know, a turning point for this podcast. I think this is going to be quite a controversial one in a way. Um, we, Chris, this is your suggestion to talk about historic aviation movies, um, our favourites. Inevitably, this is going to turn into what we think are some of the, the best ones and some of the worst ones, I, I suspect. And maybe there are kind of, you know, some strong opinions lurking, uh, lurking within the minds of the three of us. But what, I mean... What are some of the, what are your favourite historic aviation films? I'm mean, notice I'm calling them films, you know, not movies, because you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This that's crept in a little bit. They're films. Let's be honest. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be British. Um, <laughs> inevitably, Battle of Britain is sort of head and shoulders above the rest, uh, and I think mostly because the quality of the actual portrayal of the flying, because it was actually real flying and not CGI. Yes, there are a few clunky models, but um, generally you get a really good feel for what it must have been like. And the, even the colour was just wonderful. I absolutely love it. Well, I mean, they, they, they obviously sort of gathered together quite a few, you know, quite a few aeroplanes, didn't they? And, you know, it's got a, you know, quite a cool cast, isn't it? Very I mean, cool. You know, yeah, well, you've got icons there, uh, you know, Michael Caine, <laughs> just brilliant. And, you know, filming, you know, filming in proper places. So Indeed. at, at a Battle of Britain airfield, Duxford. Yeah, exactly. Is it is it true that they that they actually burned they actually burned down a hangar? I for, think it uh, is actually. Yeah, yeah. It's, what, it's been a sort of. Or? Oh uh, yeah, no, I don't think well, it was. Yeah. A, I don't think it was an accident on set. No, they did. I think there's a. There, apparently, there's like a plaque there that's sort of saying, "Oh, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, um, this hangar had regrettably been blown up during the filming of a motion picture." Yeah, for like effect. Yeah. yeah. It's quite cool, yeah. isn't it? I remember uh, that scene where Duxford is getting bombed and um, the uh, the woman officer shouting, don't shout at me, Mr. Warwick. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's just a class film. It's absolute class. I yeah. really, really love it. There is a thing, isn't there, with, with with perhaps films of any any genre, but, you know, there will always be people who will sort of pick holes in 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 oh, films right now when when yeah. there's when there's like you know historic you know a, histor- a film about historic aviation is going to have certain airplanes and there will be people in there kind of you know going oh actually that was you know that was actually an ex-spanish air force that's oh. a merlin engine yeah. you know but it you know it always happens i think with a film you do have to just put that aside don't you to a degree i think it's- with enthusiasts it's very difficult to do sometimes because they're so ingrained in the detail and yes, it is slightly irksome when you see something that you know makes you think, "Oh God, that's not just not right." But at the end of the day, it's a piece of entertainment, and you really should try and take it as such and just try and enjoy it. Uh, but, yes, there, there have been some real belters over the years, but there's also been some stinkers as well. There, there have just before we the, the Battle of Britain film, right? So yeah. this this came up in conversation uh, the other day with uh, Peter Arnold, who you put me oh, on onto. Yeah. So you know the 
the Spitfire aficionado. I mean, mm-hmm. is there anyone on planet Earth who knows more about Spitfires than Peter Arnold? I mean... If there is, they've been a bit quiet, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they've been keeping, keeping, it, keeping it on the down low for like 70 yeah, years. Yeah. But, so this I mean, guy, right, you know, it, it, for anyone who doesn't know who Peter Arnold is, so he has seen every single Spitfire in the world except one. Uh, and that's like one in Burma that is kind of inside this mm. sort of, you know, their version of the Pentagon or whatever. Um, he's not <laughs> he's allowed not he's, in there. <laughs> he's ter- well, he's, you know, he, he, he was actually told uh, by someone who worked for the Ministry of Defence back in the day, it'll be all right if you turn up, they'll probably let you in, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. this, this, this was what security was like in the 70s. It'll be fine, mate. Um, mm. But so he's, so he's seen pretty much all this. And he, he was, I was chatting to him the other day. And he was telling me that he first started getting into Spitfires, you know, mm. re- really properly sort of back in the 60s after, you know, his kids started, you know, um, getting a bit older and whatnot. So it was it was around the time when the Battle of Britain was um, getting filmed. His uncle um, was a Typhoon Tempest pilot and he mm. tipped Peter Arnold off that um, this it was going to be filmed in Henlo. Right. So and. Peter was saying, so this is obviously pre-internet. He didn't even have a phone, but he turned up. He, um, he managed to turn up to the set and um, the security guard just said, yeah, it's all right, mate. Yeah, just come in and come in and have a look around. Can you imagine like turning up to the set of a film now <laughs> and yeah. just being able Not to happening. wander around? And Not he just happening. basically, he basically, um, it's the summer of 1968. And so he just kept going back to the set every day, just sort of, because um, he was really starting to, you know, um, you know, really look into Spitfires. So he wanted, he'd go in and have a look at like the data plates and start matching stuff up for his records and things like that. And, um, you know, I think in the, in the, the, the last sort of days of um, filming, he, uh, he was chatting to these guys and there was that Canadian guy, Dom Plum there, who was like saying, oh, do you reckon, you know, you seem to know a lot about Spitfires. Do you reckon you could get me one? Because <laughs> um, there was, he he said, um, some some guys offered me to buy this Mark 14, but I'm not sure whether it's a bit dodgy. Can you have a little look into it? So Peter looked into it. It turned out it wasn't, it, you know, it, it wasn't all that it thought it was. So Don Plum said, can you um, can you do you reckon you might be able to get me one? And uh, so Peter Hunter goes, yeah, I'll have a little, uh, I'll have a little look around for you. Again, you know, no eBay at that stage. So um, unbelievable. He, he ended up finding him one. And they shipped it out to him, and it was that was TE three hundred eight, which they then sort of like turned into a, a, a gave the like the two seater conversion. And then uh, Don Plum said, "Do you want to do you want to come out and um and have a go in it, seeing as you uh seeing as you found it for me?" Amazing, <laughs> completely awesome. different. Era. But can you just imagine turning up to the set of Battle of Britain, just sort of yeah, I'll have a little look around. I'll just uh, make myself a yeah, permanent Michael fixture. Kane, don't worry about it. It's just yeah, yeah. have his breakfast. You would have seen some real legends, real live legends, because you've got uh, um, Galland, the Luftwaffe race, mm-hmm. and you've got Robert Stanford Tuck. And uh, yeah, that's pretty special to see actual live Battle of Britain aces at a place like that. Yeah, no. It's, so, okay, so we're all in agreement then um, on, on, on that one. Tara, what's your, what is your favourite uh, historic uh-huh. aviation movie? We're going to go into this, and I'm going to get slated for it, but it is Top Gun, and I don't know. I think probably because I am the fifth of four, uh, five sisters. I am the youngest, and the oldest was brought up. She was born in 1982, and obviously was then brought up on Top Gun, and then subsequently we've all been brought up 
watching it from there. <laughs> yes. So I don't know if it's if it's one of those sort of like nostalgic things or but I absolutely adore it. I love it. I have it on DVD twice because I well, panicked. Like, I suppose I we can now class the Tomcat as a classic aircraft as it's been retired for a little while. Well, yeah, yeah look, I mean, I mean 30, it's, it's 35 years old, that movie. Um, well, it's interesting, isn't it? It's one of the, We're in an era where films, where any, any films from that kind of era and before are sort of now dismantled, aren't they? And we kind of, we, we like sort of taking them apart and we sort of, you know, realise that some mm-hmm. of these films aren't, aren't, aren't that good. You know, when you watch a film from the 80s, like, I don't know, E.T., for example, and you should <laughs> yeah. realise... It takes her ages to get into the actual action, doesn't it? Whereas now, when <laughs> yeah. you watch a film, yeah. it's like if, if if you're not if if you're not gripped in the first eight seconds, it's a complete that's failure, what's isn't it? About Top Gun, you're gripped in the first, as you say, eight seconds. That's what are I you, find so. Are di- you Tara? Oh, well, I think so. <laughs> Come on, that intro. Well, the, well, the saving it, grace, is, the saving grace is that is it, it, again, it's actual real flying. It's yes. not CGI, so uh, it's great to see Tomcats. F5s, I thought A4s. you were going to say it's great to see Tom Cruise fly. <laughs> I was going to say, wow, uh, man not of so many much. talents. <laughs> not, not so much. Uh, no, you've, you have got some classic uh, US fighters there in action and in all their glory, and it's great for that. It really is. Yeah. Now, you know, what I, I'm, I'm quite interested in, in your love of Top Gun. As, so, a nostalgia aside, if you just look at the, if if you mm. look at that film, you know, because it's not it's pretty sort of thin on the plot, isn't it? If we're if we're kind of being honest, oh, it's it does that thing like like it does with like they do in Pearl Harbor, where it's you know the actual interesting stuff is sort of a background story, and then they make the whole story this love plot, and it's like shut up, like just get to the actual you know the aircraft and get to the flying and. And that sort of thing. I think, obviously, it's not a true story. I think, despite however many people will try <laughs> Whatever and tell gave you that, you it that is. idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know the number of people that I've had to sit there and say it's really not a true story? It wouldn't like, surprise me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that says about um, about modern society. That- I actually, you know, I've seen bits of. Um, I've kind of like seen it over, over the years, but I actually sort of recently you know, sat down and kind of gave it a proper, a proper sort of watch again. I hadn't, hadn't sort of seen it for ages mm. and ages. And yeah, I, I don't know whether, yeah, like you said, Chris, it's of its time, isn't it? You know, it, I was it quite shocked. Product of its time. I was quite shocked actually that, you know, now we're kind of used to sort of um, films that there's always got to be a romance, isn't there? You know, like, to, you know, That's Tom Cruise. That's the only Cruise reason and, I can't stand Pearl Harbor. Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis. Like, Kelly McGillis, like, you know, you know, no offence, but I kind of like... It looked like she might even be his mum. She looked like she looked like way older than him. Is it just me that thought that? <laughs> she wasn't. She didn't look that much older. Do you know what? Actually, you know, there's the, there's um, you know, there's there's that kind of um love scene uh between them that um when when they first showed the uh the uh, the, the film to uh, American audiences, they said they said, oh, there's no love scene in it. It doesn't, you know, you've got to put one in. So they had to retrospectively film it. You know, the one where it's kind yeah. of like dark and whatever. Yeah. Now, the yeah. reason why it is like that is because um, she had dyed her hair black for a forthcoming role. So, uh, oh, really? <laughs> so they had to turn the lights out. 
so you can't so you can't I see so no when idea. so when you're next watching it tara i.e probably after this podcast i would imagine <laughs> just um you know while you've got take my breath away playing in the background on an endless loop <laughs> which also is zone. another thing i yeah. don't like about it it's like a, you know i love an 80s power ballad but that's i mm, yeah it's a step beyond isn't it it's yeah do you know there's a um uh tom cruise when he was filming uh mission impossible a few years ago uh he was filming some stuff um um rf wittering so near peterborough he was staying at a hotel in peterborough and yep. um, the holiday inn it was it was it, it was a what? holiday in or the marriott and um he he was down at breakfast uh you know keeping a bit of a low profile and apparently one of the waiters asked him if he had a loyalty card that's didn't recognize him. True. <laughs> that is absolutely true yeah but you know what i actually saw that being filmed because, uh, yeah, well, after a fashion, because I was walking, uh, my, my children were much younger then. One was in the buggy and I, we were walking around Burley House nearby, uh, on a Friday and this A400M just kept blasting around. And I thought, oh, perhaps it's doing some trials work at Wittering, doing some bumps and rollers, what have you. And then I find out in the afternoon that uh, little Tommy Cruise was actually strapped to the outside of it. And we just kept seeing it go round and round. But, you, you couldn't see him. It was just that too high. But, you know, we learned that that's what it was. And, uh, yeah, it caused a right stir in the area. I bet it did. He was obviously, you know, you know, taking a break from uh, playing beach volleyball in jeans. Indeed. Yeah. I don't appreciate your tones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he took well, time. He did take time to visit places like the Family Centre, RAF Wittering, which I was quite impressed with. I thought that was really oh, good. Yeah, nice. no, yeah, I think, yeah, let's give him respect for that. Actually, just let's just tie this uh, Top Gun thing together because I, I thought, right, I'm going to get the definitive thing from uh, Kiera. So I, um, I uh, phoned up Calum, the assistant editor of Modern Military on uh, oh. Kiera. I said, right, Calum, can you give me your synopsis on, on Top Gun? The oh, definitive boy. Modern Military, right? I'm going to read out what he said. Here we go. Is it, or, uh, I really don't want to hear this. I don't know. Anyway, see what you think of this. <laughs> Top Gun encapsulates the exciting life of naval fighter pilots and perhaps served as a great recruiting opportunity for the US Navy during the mid to late 1980s after its release. For me, Top Gun was one of the earliest influences on my love of military aviation. See, Tara, it's not bad, is it? Caleb, Al- we can be friends oh, hang forever. On. Although it fits the bill as a cheesy Hollywood action romance oh. drama, it serves as a great melodrama. By this, I mean the film does well to appeal to the audience's emotions through the subplots of a rocky romance, a tragic loss, and the real-world psychological effects that can occur in fighter pilots during combat operations. Additionally, I would now say the film is a bit dated in terms of the technology and tactics that it showcases. Given the highly anticipated sequel is set to be released in cinemas following the COVID-19 pandemic, it will be interesting to see how the film differs from the first through its representation of new modern platforms, tactics and technologies. So he's been quite, he's been quite nice to it. Has he been moonlighting for Empire magazine? <laughs> I think he has. I think he's, I think he's basically, um, you know, the reason I can't get in touch with him, I think he's probably, I think he's having yeah, yeah, yeah. an interview with him. job. <laughs> Sat in private cinema somewhere. I'm, I, I guess I'm on board with that, quite honestly. I think it is. It is, as I said to you guys, it's kind of like that cult aviation film that gets a lot of people into it because it is Tom Cruise and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, you can't deny that it's, you know, 35. He's 35 years old, yeah. 1986 that came out. The the technology and all that sort of stuff is going to be, you know, dated and the approach to the way they filmed it is going to be dated um if, if, in all honesty if i was to compare I, I just have this unrelenting hate for the film pearl harbor and if i was to compare that to pearl harbor 
I would say that that is almost more modern than Pearl Harbor is. Yeah, they are quite different beasts, those films. They're- yeah, and I know which one I prefer as well. <laughs> which one are you going for, Chris? And not Pearl Harbor. Yeah, that gets a lot of stick, doesn't it? Um, it does, in indeed, Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Probably rightly so. I think yeah. I don't. I don't think Ben Affleck's listening. Sorry, Ben. You know we do have a real treat coming up though, because uh, I can reveal that um, there is a brand new uh, aviation war film being filmed at the moment uh, called Devotion, Ooh. and this follows oh. on from the book by Adam Makos uh, of the same name, and it was a bestseller, and it's a fabulous book, and I would urge anybody who hasn't read it to pick it up because it's a real belter. All true. This is ba- uh, it's based on the story of the U.S. Navy's first black aviator, Jesse Brown, in the Korean War. Now, a lot's been said about the Tuskegee Airmen, but you know nothing. I was going to mention them actually. Is, yeah, nothing is said about the U.S. Navy's inroads into getting African Americans into aeroplanes. Now, Jesse Brown, uh, he was a great pilot. Um, got posted out to uh, you know to the carrier. His Good friend and wingman Tom Hudner was a, a kind of a you know an all American boy, college graduate. But uh, you know, counter to what you'd expect from those times, they became absolutely firm friends. And uh, they were out on a mission, and Jesse Brown got hit by flak. Airplane started to go down. He had to to put it into the snow. Uh, but unfortunately, when it uh, crash landed, he was pinned in it. He couldn't get out. So. Uh, Against the rules, Tom Hudner decided to crash land to see if he could extricate his best mate uh, from the cockpit. Belly landed it, um, couldn't get him out. Uh, the weather was cold. You've got enemy troops kind of you know, not too far away. Um, so they radioed. They, you had uh, Corsairs circling over to keep an eye on them. They radioed in for a rescue heli- helicopter to come with an axe. It landed. He tried chopping him out. Still couldn't get Jesse Brown out of the cockpit. So they said, "Look, we've got to go, but you know, we we, we will be back as soon as we can." By the time they got back, poor old Jesse had succumbed to the loss of blood and the shock, and he'd uh, he passed away in the cockpit. Oh. But the you know the crux of this story is devotion. You know, a wingman landing in the snow beside his friend to try and get him out and make sure he was safe. It's just oh, and I guess stuff. that sort of. That's that's amazing. That sort of, I guess, uh, ties into a podcast we did a couple of weeks ago with the Tally Ho Project, and like that mm-hmm. sense of unity, yeah, like between, you know, you hear all these stories and stuff, but I guess in that sense, it was completely against the rules. But he put his own life at risk to, uh, to save his friend. He did, and, yeah. and he got what he was awarded the Medal of Honor for it. Really? Uh, so yeah, so you know his his bravery was recognised despite it being against the rules, because most people realised that it was just a selfless selfless thing to do. But the joy of this new film is that Adam Makos is all about the detail. You know, the author, every book that he's written has been fabulous, hmm. and the director, um, I it, correct, I think I'm right in saying this. He's actually the son of a Blue Angel, former Blue Angels display really? pilot. Yeah, so. And I suppose there will be some kind of CGI in it, but we've seen some exclusive photos of real Corsairs painted in the correct markings, um, L39, uh, an L39 jet with a camera on it. So we are going to get proper flying, good combat sequences and minimal CGI. 
That's Steve exciting. Hinton, the Warbird pilot, uh, is heading up the, the team that are doing the flying. This is going to be something else, this film. It won't That's very be, exciting. I'm it, looking yeah, forward to it, it won't be another Red Tails. I don't think it's going to be this I was, cheesy, I was going cheesy to ask you about your opinion on that, actually, Chris. Um, you know, I love the subject of Red Tails. I mean, I'm part African-American myself. Um, mm. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And it, they deserved a really good story in film. Mm. But the, the 80s film was okay. The newer version, not that great, unfortunately. Yeah, I think you know? that's the general consensus, really, isn't it? It's good, that, seen... it's good that the story was put out there, but it just deserved to be done in you know, so much better a way. Yeah, I agree. I, I have seen a, um, a, an interview with one of the real um, Tuskegee Airmen post the film. And, you know, he says they do a good job at addressing uh, what it is we did and what mm. it is we were trying to achieve and all the attitudes towards, you know, things like racism and stuff. Um, but I think even he himself, you know, of that generation, they think any CGI is amazing. But even mm. he, he himself said, you know, I think it's more the script that, that ruins it for him because he said... It, it was clunky. It, it really it was, was clunky. Yeah. It, it was, yeah. And it's, um, I don't know. I think it does, it does, it addresses the issues, but I think it does it in, like you say, quite a clunky way. Yeah. Um, and it's quite, it's, it's a shame really, because I think that is one story that would just be blown out of the water if they mm. did it right. But yeah. who's to say something like that won't be made again and better? Well, I think devotion will break the mold. I think it'll do it properly. I think the flying will be fabulous. I, I don't think it will be cheesy. Uh, I think it'll be in the vein of, say, something like Band of Brothers for authenticity oh. and quality. Yeah. Can't wait. I'm truly excited about this film. When's it out? Not exactly sure at the moment. It's still being filmed. <laughs> COVID you know, hands. But, but, <laughs> Who well, knows? Filming yeah. has returned on many things, Tara. <laughs> this you is know. true. This is true. You know, but, but back to the att attention to detail, it's being filmed over Washington State, which at this time of the year often has snow on the ground and it's mountainous. You know, my godmother lived there. Uh, I know course. what it's like. I've been there. And it, it's perfect replication of uh, Korea, I think, you know, from, from up above. So this is going to be a cracking film, I'm sure. Right. Look forward to look forward to that. No, no, no one's mentioned um, things like Dam Busters. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's, I, funnily enough, I just looked down on my pad here because it's inevitable. <laughs> we have to mention it. It's a classic. It's it a is. typical film of its time, stiff upper lip, British, you know, propaganda. Mm. But it's mm -hmm. still a it's still a great film. Richard Todd was fabulous as Gibson. He really was. But you know, my my favourite performance is Michael Redgrave as Barnes Wallace. Because really? he, he, yeah, he did. It was such an earnest performance and he really showed, he, he, he like Barz Wallace himself, he was so caring about the men that had to go out and use his invention and was, was mortified that, you know, a lot of them didn't make it back. And that really comes across in the film. I think it's, uh, it's a good piece of filmmaking. Mm, I agree. What about things like, you know, you know, going back, um, it's slightly sort of different. You got like those magnificent men in their flying machines. 12 o'clock oh. high. Do you know what? what? I like that. Yep, I do like that. Now, that's these. Gregory Peck, isn't it? Uh, yes, that was Gregory Peck. You know, yeah, so uh, I've always been a fan of Gregory Peck. You know, he's that sort of iconic Hollywood star, but with integrity. You know, he's always the old good school, guy. Old school, Chris. Absolutely. You know, but that's Absolutely. like made in 1949. So they obviously obviously using like B-17s, you know. you know, yep. if, you made a, if, you, if you wanted to make a historic aviation sort of film in 1949, you would have quite a lot of stuff to choose from, wouldn't you? To, uh... <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. 
exactly. It was, yeah. That was. I've not seen yeah, this. Haven't you? That's a good one. There's another good one. Um, Hell's Angels from 1930. So this is um, oh, Howard Hughes. Yeah. So or Howard Hawks. I always get mixed up who who made that film. But there, there was a lot going on in terms of aviation back then in America uh, and filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I mean the number of World War One you know airplanes that you managed you know yeah, managed yeah, to yeah. get together for that was pretty exactly pretty and there were some really. quite well-known pilots doing the sun flying as well um but no there, there was a lot going on in, in terms of filming back then um another favorite of mine um bridges at tokori which again delves into the korean war which you don't see that often but it's a u.s navy you panther don't. jet and uh you, yeah that's that's an interesting think- it's, it's it's funny actually because we um spoke to um you know uh, an author a couple of weeks ago who'd uh, written a book about the korean war and it's a bit of a mm. it's something that we don't tend to touch on that much mm. um you know that sort of forgotten war as it's as it's called well, but there's, there's so I, much interesting stuff um for, from for, from, from that conflict there was, isn't it? there was like a period sort of between you know the 19 like 1945 and maybe 2000 where these wars sort of went on like you know vietnam and stuff like that and yes they and the falklands and yes they uh obviously were important but i think people were still sort of trying to get over the destruction of world war ii so perhaps they don't get as much as much uh yeah well if you want destruction the korean war i mean well that is, yeah <laughs> you know, it's three years of like sure, this is something like 30, 30 nearly 33 thousand tons of napalm or something like that it's it's, it's quite um an in- very interesting actually how that's kind of really shaped you know perhaps a lot of you know the psyche of north korea today mm. really everyone in north oh. korea knows someone who was yeah. you know killed or, or you know or lost in that in that conflict and mm. you know how they view the west even though obviously they they were the initial aggressors but it is quite interesting mm. to kind of go back and 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 speak about that. Yeah, but, um, it's interesting how that sort of Vietnam spawned a lot of different war films, you know, including aviation, like uh, Flight of the Intruder. But the Korean War, far less has been been done about it, which is a shame. It is kind of the forgotten war, um, possibly from our perspective, maybe because Britain wasn't really involved in it. So, it was a bit of RAF, wasn't there? But it was it was more like yeah, it was more sort of others, wasn't it? I think there was wasn't there nine air forces. From uh, well, the Aussies from, were involved. Yeah, um, you've yeah. got uh, Aussie meteors flying there. Uh, Royal Navy, of course, but not not so much. You know, Crazy, the, uh, you know, the array of um, airplanes involved in that was yeah. yeah was was quite um was quite. I think what we what we're sort of saying though is that you know there is there is there's potential glory but potential danger in making a film about historic yes, aviation. It's a it's yeah. a big risk, isn't it? You know I for. Kind of- I kind of want to know both of your opinions on something, actually. So obviously the Spitfire is hugely, hugely loved and hugely, hugely done in terms of films and all this sort of stuff. What is your opinion on the Spitfire scenes in Dunkirk? Oh, that's a very arty film. It's a very arty film. I like the film overall. I'm kind of ambivalent about the Spitfire scenes in that. Um, it, because I mean, I've had very mixed reviews from people. Yeah, any time historic aviation gets on a screen, I think it's good to, to inform younger generations, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and it would probably a lot of young, younger generations were watching that, but um, they were okay. Let's, let's leave it at that, I think. See, I, I, I've had people, for example, I asked uh, one of the guys at, at Biggin Hill, um, and he said he thought it was just the most um 
unbelievable representation. It was amazing and all this sort of stuff. But then I've heard, you know, people like you who don't, who don't, who don't think quite that. So I thought it was interesting to get your opinion. That's all. Yeah. I think it comes down to how far you want to just sit back and be entertained Uh rather than looking at the detail and what's possible and what isn't and what was accurate. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I do love a good film, I've got to say. And, um, you know, I, I'm quite happy to just sit back and let it wash over me and suspend belief about certain details, as long as the overall effect is enjoyable. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. That's interesting to know. Yes. I, was just I concur with your assessment, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> back to Moonlighting for Empire, we are all, aren't we? Yeah, no, exactly. Well, on, 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 on that note, you know, just to sort of tie this up, Tara, you are going to go and watch Top Gun again, aren't you, after this? Let's not let's not get into that because you'll call me and you'll be like, "Why are you watching that film?" <laughs> can I? Why can I hear Kelly McGillis in the background? Why is she at your house? Ah, the social distancing. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, no, thanks, uh, thanks very much for, uh, for 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 discussing this. Um, you know, it's been enlightening. I think a window into all our souls in one regard. Yeah, I think for, I might have to watch Battle of, Britain, Battle of Britain again at the weekend. I think yeah. every couple of years, that's my habit. You're on safer ground with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah. I'm just off to uh, play beach volleyball in my jeans. So, uh, <laughs> I've had thanks. enough of this. I feel thanks. personally attacked. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, see you again the same time next week. Cheers. This has been a podcast from Key Aero, your aviation destination. Remember, visit www.key.aero for more of the same. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to catch up with you again soon.